0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort
1: throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch, Shot or locking down the opposition, the two way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two way for yourself at newbalance.com.
2: Welcome into another episode of Wilt Fong Whiparound. I'm Grace Remington with our Director of Recruiting, Steve Wiltfong, who is back from San Antonio after a week of covering the All-American game. So, Steve, let's get right into it and talk about some of the standouts from that week, starting with Dante Moore, the UCLA quarterback commit. Um, You had a conversation with him. He's interested in the Bruins because he could play right away, but we also know that... Chip Kelly signs Kent State transfer quarterback Colin Shalise, so what's the deal going on over there? What can we expect, or how soon can we expect to see more on the field?
1: Yeah, Grace, as I was traveling down to San Antonio for the All-America Bowl this year, been going there since 2007, my route Indianapolis through Atlanta to San Antonio. uh, As I'm waiting at my gate, Detroit King head football coach Ty Spencer walks up to me, obviously Dante's coach. We were on the Uh, connecting flight down to the Alamo city. And and we got to talking about Dante and, and his recruitment and certainly one of the major attraction points of UCLA for, for more, was the opportunity to come in as a true freshman and perhaps win the starting quarterback job with Dorian Thompson Robinson moving on. Uh, that leaves uh, a, a, an open depth chart. Certainly, Colin Schley coming in. He's gonna compete and maybe is the early front runner. But from what I saw from Dante Moore here in San Antonio, maybe he's someone that's moving into the starting lineup by the middle to the end of the season, similar to what we saw from Trevor Lawrence at Clemson or Caleb Williams at Oklahoma. He is that good six foot two and a half, 215 pounds. He had as good an All America Bowl performance as I've seen from anybody. And like I said, I've been covering this game since 2007 14 to 19 passing grace, 156 yards and four touchdowns. He throws a 29 yard rope with pressure in his face to Carnell Tate for six. Drops one in the bucket for Brandon Ennis for another touchdown. Hit Jalen Brown with a strike for a, for a touchdown. The fourth was a a short pass to Justice Haynes for six. He was also the Elite Eleven Finals 24/7 Sports MVP. Threw for nearly 10,000 yards as a four-year starter for King. Would have been more if it wasn't for the COVID-shortened sophomore season. Uh, uh, but 135 touchdowns along the way. A two-time state champion coming into this event. Also played in the state championship championship game as a freshman through 11 interceptions as a freshman and only nine as a sophomore, junior, and senior combined. His ability to see the field, the anticipation he has, how quickly he's able to slow the game down, knowing where to go with the football, in addition to the physical traits, uh, the strong arm, uh, um, the accuracy, Uh, He possesses everything you're looking for in a quarterback. He's our number three player in the country right now, Grace. But as we do one more rankings update leading into February 1st, the National Signing Day, he's certainly in the thick of the discussion as the number one player overall alongside Arch Manning, Nico Iamaleva, uh, perhaps Jackson Arnold and what he did at the Under Armour game. The Oklahoma commit moves him into that discussion. Then you have edge rusher Keon Keely, but Dante Moore, fantastic in San Antonio this week going to enroll early and certainly push for that job in year one at UCLA.
2: All right. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing how all of that plays out. Let's talk about Miami. Mario Cristobal uh, finishing his first cycle as head coach, and he lands the number four recruiting class in the country for 2023. A lot of his commits were at the All-American game. And Steve, it sounds like they had a great camaraderie down there.
1: Yeah, that's the highest-ranked recruiting class that Miami's had in the 24-7 sports era. Going back to 2010, and Samson Lola, five-star offensive tackle, he's one of the jewels, Grace, and he told me at check-in, our class can really propel what Miami is going to mean in the coming years. What we do for the next one to two or two to three years will paint what Miami is in the coming years and Lola, in my opinion, he is a ready made offensive tackle to come in and start building that foundation for Miami moving forward. Six foot five, 305 pounds. I've had several conversations with Mario Cristobal uh, over the fall, and he has talked about how through recruiting and what they're doing in the portal, Miami's going to look like Miami again soon. and Lola fits that bill. Uh, college ready physically, an outstanding wrestler. That uh, had as consistent a week as any player on the offensive line uh, at the All-America Bowl. He was a steady force. He's got he's quick, twitched with good feet. Always seems to have good leverage, a good run blocker, but but can move and bend. And I uh, love what I saw from Lola. When you pair him with Francis Maui Goa, the other five-star offensive tackle in the class, you you really see some pieces that fortify what should be one of the best offensive lines in college football in two, three years. Uh, they get, they need playmakers uh, at Miami too, Grace. As we know, it's an offense that really sputtered throughout the course of the season, but they had two guys in this game that I think are also going to be immediate impact players that should add some juice to this offense. The first player I noticed on the practice field on Tuesday, the first day of practice for the East team was Nathaniel Ray-Ray Joseph, the slot receiver from Miami who flipped his commitment from Clemson to Miami earlier in the process, a good thing too. Hurricanes much rather have him than play against him uh, in, in their conference he is an electric slot receiver, creates easy separation, a guy that you can get the ball to down the field, but you can also utilize him in the quick game, quick screens, jet sweeps, and he he can make people miss and gets upfield quickly. The, the the coaches of the E-Squad were raving about him all week. And then how about Mark Fletcher, six foot-one. 225 pounds. He was one of the more impressive players to check in physically, had an outstanding senior season, rushed for nearly 2,000 yards and 23 touchdowns, and then comes to San Antonio and shows that he can be a difference maker as a three-down back, a pass catcher. He was winning one-on-one balls downfield. He was getting behind linebackers for big gains. He had that 89-yard touchdown reception in the game on a broken play where he had to outrace the defense for most of it. I just think he's a fan. Fantastic football player. How Miami could play him at linebacker, and I think he'd be a standout there. But they're going to have two rugged running backs, over 220 pounds next year with him and Trevante Citizen, who also picked Miami over Florida like Fletcher did in the 2022 cycle. The Um the, the Miami's going to have an imposing backfield, and Fletcher, in my opinion, is one of the major stock-up guys from the All-America Bowl as we up do, update those rankings. Grace, they had two players there, Jaden Wayne and Malik Bryant, who were on the All-America Bowl roster, but they did not play because of injury.
2: Well, really excited to watch that one-two punch at running back for the Canes uh, next year or in the near future. Ohio State with... The number seven class in the country and two of their wide receiver commits, Brandon Ennis and Carnell Tate, were just blowing up Twitter with their highlights. We were talking about them on the last episode of this show, uh, but you said the Buckeyes commits were really playing to the standard of that program. So what did you like about them?
1: yeah absolutely you said it And ohio state that's number seven when you include the transfer portal rankings number six with just the high school guys grace and uh brandon ennis and carnell tate they were the two best receivers in that setting and there were some really talented guys you can make a case that lsu receiver commit jalen brown was up there but From consistency throughout the week of practice into the game, Brandon Ennis and Carnell Tate were as advertised. Ennis, I'm going to just start calling him Captain Buckeye because I think when all's said and done, he's going to be the face of that football program. He has terrific leadership qualities. And and he's just a performer when the lights are on. Look, he's the first recruit that I heard of in this recruiting class. He was an eighth grader playing for the South Florida Express, dominating seven on seven competition against some of the best players in America that were four years older than him. And he has never looked back. No matter who else is on the field, no matter what elite blue chippers are in that same setting. Brandon Innes is always a top performer, and this was no different. There's no deficiencies in his game. He could run, he's quick, he has strong hands. He's powerful after the catch, and his play speed is what really stands out, and he just seems to be the guy that quarterbacks look for when they need a big play. Carnell Tate, he has the whole route tree in his deck, uh, creates easy separation from defensive backs. He is one of the one of the best one-on-one ball catchers in America. And there might not be a player in the land more dangerous than him after the catch. He's also been a big-time guy in the return game for IMG. could see that also translating to Columbus. But it wasn't just about the wideouts for Ohio State. They need to really boost their secondary. DB was a big position to need for Ohio State as they're going to have a lot of turnover from this year's team in the secondary and next year's team already. And Calvin Simpson Hunt, uh, uh, top 247 cornerback from Texas, he was as promising a prospect as I saw the, the entire week with his upside, his ability to be able to run stride for stride with Malachi Coleman at several occasions. Coleman, of course, committed to Nebraska. I thought he had a strong week, too. He's got 10-4 speed in the 100-meter dash. Simpson Hunt easily running with him down the field. And, 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 and uh, I, I like the way that he was built physically, too. I think he can come in ready to play and tackle around the line of scrimmage in the Big Ten, which is very important for defensive backs. Uh, but elite speed, good hit uh, thought he was around the ball a lot. And nobody throughout the week made more plays on either side of the ball than safety Malik Hartford. He's a space eater uh, on the back end. He has a lot of range. He's instinctual. Now he's going to need to get bigger at Ohio State, but we know that Mickey Marathi and that strength and conditioning staff is as proven as anybody in, in that regard. And if you turn on Malik Hartford's film, you know that the young man will come down and try and lay the wood uh, on somebody around the line of scrimmage. But I just love the way that Malik Hartford played the game. He made a ton of plays and coverage, got his hands on a lot of footballs, was an eraser in the red zone uh, in the end zone, in the red zone, and a guy that's going to have a great career at Ohio State. Defensive end Joshua Mickens uh, certainly flashed at times. He's going to be a pass rusher that Ohio State can count on. And then Luke Montgomery was part of a big Ohio State offensive line class that was important. He had his moments in practice as well. I think he'll ultimately be someone that stands out on the interior of Ohio State's offensive line for years to come. And, Grace, we talked about the standard that Ohio State has in their receiver room year in and year out. Certainly they have that in their quarterback room. And Lincoln Kynholz is a guy that they signed out of South Dakota, the number 172 player in the country from TF Riggs. He was – I thought he really turned it on in the game and showed – his mobility, his able, his ability to escape pressure and stay calm under duress, and make big plays downfield. As you know, the West team did not have many bright moments on offense. In fact, they only scored on two possessions. Lincoln Kynel's was their quarterback on both of them, including an outstanding highlight reel touchdown where he had to escape instant pressure uh, uh, and uh, throw on the run a deep ball downfield that LSU tight end commit Kamari Khm- and uh, Pimpton hauled in. Uh, he, he threw for over 9,000 yards in his prep career, over 100 touchdowns, had to adjust to the speed of the game coming from South Dakota to playing alongside All-Americans. And I think he showed his potential in the All-America Bowl and his skill set and why Ryan Day and everybody were so excited about him.
0: Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com
2: slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. All right, Oklahoma coming off a season in which the defense gave up 450 yards per game and almost 30 points a game, a nightmare for Brent Venable. So we know he needs to retool that side of the ball. But you go look at the rankings, and in his first complete cycle as head coach, he signs the number six ranked class in the country, and it is just loaded with defensive studs. So who did you see out in San Antonio and who'd you like?
1: Well, Grace, Oklahoma's defense, or excuse me, Oklahoma's defense had the numbers one, two, and three in their rating this year, which is where we've seen Brent Venable's defenses in the past number one number two and number three in college football not 123 so he's looking to quickly fine tune this defense and get some guys to come in and, and, and bolster it and get it to playing the style that he wants to play in norman a class that's ranks number five nationally when just looking at high school recruits in this all-america game specifically a few guys stood out for them samuel Omosiego is a linebacker from crandall texas who i think it uh has as much trait as any second level defense in the country when you're talking about just athletically what he can do, the way he moves, uh, uh, the way he can cover running backs downfield, the way he can get out into the flats and make some plays out there and and erase chunk plays. He's a terrific two-way player on the prep level that had over 1,500 yards receiving in his prep career. I think he had nine uh, pass-catching touchdowns as a senior, Uh, also had close to 200 tackles The, the last two years was his district player of the year year, six interceptions, nine sacks. He can get to the quarterback. He can drop in coverage. There's not anything that Samuel Omasigo can't do. And when you think about all the great linebackers that have played for Brett Venables and the mileage, he's gotten out of guys that maybe weren't as athletic Samuel Omasigo has all the traits to be an absolute star in Norman and one of the best linebackers in the country when all said and done. How about defensive back Makari Vickers, who's 6'1", 191 pounds. I thought he was one of the more imposing defensive backs in San Antonio this weekend. And he was outstanding in coverage from checking tight ends to lining up in the slot to lining up. In the boundary, uh, he's a guy that's going to give Venables and his staff a lot of versatility in the secondary. They're going to be able to move him around, and he's going to be a guy that can erase mismatches. And then, uh, a young man that that uh, uh, I thought showed up a lot in the game, that flashed a lot around the football in the game, was Josiah Wagner, a, a cornerback from Washington State that the Huskies tried to flip and keep home late in the process. He's a guy that I thought was a gamer and 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 played well there at the end.
2: All right, one more class we want to get to before closing the book on the All-American Bowl, and that is the top-ranked class in the country, Alabama, the second-highest-rated class of all time. It includes seven five-star commits. Steve, what did you like out of those guys?
1: Well, I think they have two of the more electric pass rushers in America coming to Tuscaloosa. How about that, Grace? We haven't seen very good pass rushers at Alabama during Nick Saban's span. Obviously, sarcasm there. Keon Keeley. Best defensive end I've seen in this setting since Will Anderson, who dominated this game a few years ago. Keon Keeley, someone that I think they can count on to give them some early snaps in his Alabama career. Uh, he was unblockable at times. His combination of speed to power uh, was off the charts in this setting, and he's a guy that, if you look at his high school career, over half of his uh, half of his tackles were in the backfield, and nearly half of them went for sacks. Uh, he was a guy that was a uh, a major difference maker for the East team in practice, and and obviously in the game. And then Yancey Pierre for the West team uh, had a terrific few days of practice, and also flashed in the game, including ripping Dante Moore's helmet off uh, uh, in in one play. But he's a he is a explosive player on the edge that can tweak and tw- uh uh, tweak his body and, and and turn it into ways to to uh, make it extremely difficult to block. And the exciting exciting thing about Pierre, in addition to his athleticism and relentless play styles, that he's actually still developing physically. So there is a lot of upside from a strength standpoint with Yonsei Pierre. But Keon Keeley, Yonsei Pierre, that's going to be. Uh, um, They are going to be uh, as good a pass rushing duo as we're going to see in the SEC. In the upcoming years, Caleb Downs, uh, uh, the number one safety in the land, uh, I I thought he was as advertised, extremely smooth, extremely instinctual, extremely rangy, also got a chance to run in a two-point conversion during the game. Also had an interception. We're talking about a young man that had 19 career interceptions uh, for uh, Mill Creek High in Georgia. Course, he picks one off in the game, always in the right place where he needs to be. Alabama's losing four starters on the offensive line. Grace Caden Proctor, six foot seven, 330 pounds, although he's still going to have some developmental upside with uh, the way they'll transition his body. Some in Alabama, he's ready to play physically as, as well and can give Alabama something as a true freshman. And then Justice Haynes. He's the number three running back in the country, but you can certainly make an argument that he's number one. Had a terrific senior year for Beaufort High. Thought he had one of the better running back performances I've seen in, in the All America Bowl. Part of that is because the offensive line uh, played so well and the, and, and the team was able to actually hand the ball off. But but Justice mm-hmm. Haynes has make you miss ability. The way he can cut on a dime and explode into his top end gear is elite. He's got the legs of a Thorbred and he can absolutely catch the football, made a lot of big plays. Uh, In that regard, had the receiving touchdown in the game, but loved what I saw from Justice Haynes. I think he's a guy that can come in and give Alabama something with Jameer Gibbs moving on.
2: All right, let's turn the page to 2024, looking at the recruits of some of the top players in that class, starting with quarterback prospect Jaden Davis, the number two quarterback in the nation out of Charlotte, North Carolina. He was just named Gatorade's North Carolina Player of the Year, so that gives him a clean sweep of all the major statewide awards. Uh, But Steve, last we heard, it, it sounded like he was going to announce soon in this new year, so what's the latest?
1: Well, I had a chance to talk to him and I think he wants to decide soon. And I think there was even some talk that maybe he was going to commit in December, but date didn't line up. And, and so now here we are in January. And I do think that this is a young man that landed his first offer from Georgia in eighth grade. And then the next day earned one from Alabama and camp. So he's been going through the recruiting process now for four years. And, uh, had a chance to visit a lot of his top schools several times by now. And, and Michigan is the one that's in the best shape. I like my crystal ball from Michigan. Uh, um, got a chance to talk to him. He said, they treat me like a priority up there. He's been there four times since the summer, including two games this fall. Uh, um, he said that me and my family can feel wanted up there. I know he spent a lot of individual time with Jim Harbaugh and, and something that's important to Jaden and his college decision is playing for a head coach that has experience walking in his shoes and Jim Harbaugh was one was a terrific college quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And then he's developed some really good quarterbacks along the way of his career in the NFL uh, and in college. And so I think that uh, Michigan's offense and, and playing and learning from Jim Harbaugh is extremely attractive. He's good friends with guys that are already on the team and said that him and JJ McCarthy are pretty much like big brother and little brother right now. So he said he's loving it up there, but certainly there's an elephant in the room with Michigan right now, right? It's uh, NFL coach carousel season. The favorite, the the favorite coach to always be mentioned with any opening job is 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 Jim Harbaugh. And spending time with with Jaden and and his dad in San Antonio this week, they're certainly keeping tabs on it. And so uh, I think that we'll have some more clarity on his recruitment once we see. What happens with Michigan and and their corner office and, and Coach Harbaugh, the other schools that he's keeping in contact with, you have Tennessee. He said that's really ramped up over the last couple months. Uh, Clemson's been one of his childhood favorites. They offered on June first, the first day that they offered a, a lot of key prospects in the 2024 class. He said he'd been working for that offer since fifth grade. He's known Brandon Streeter for a long time. Is excited uh, about Coach Streeter's opportunity as the offensive coordinator this year and, and beyond. Um, Penn State is another program that's been a major factor. Penn State and Clemson are probably the programs I have the keenest eye on if something were to happen at Michigan. Penn State's whole staff went in to visit uh, Jaden Davis when coaches were on the road in December. He talks often with with, uh, Danny uh, O'Brien and and, uh, Mike Yursich, has great relationship with the Penn State staff, and what they've done with their program is attractive. Uh, North Carolina is another school that he has regular dialogue with. He, He mentioned Florida State, but All eyes still on Michigan there with Jaden Davis, so we'll see what happens with the maize and blue program fresh off another college football playoff berth. And what happens with Jim Harbaugh?
2: So many dominoes always fall with the coaching carousel. Let's go down to Buford, Georgia, for five-star athlete K.J. Bolden, a two-way player, ranked number two nationally. No doubt he'll be keeping an eye on the national championship game tonight with Georgia included in his list of top 15 schools that he recently posted to Twitter. So Steve, where do you think he's leaning?
1: Well, we talked last whip around that ran on Friday about Georgia and how special this 2024 class could be for the Bulldogs. And the Bulldogs moved to number one in the standings after landing a a pledge from top 247 safety Peyton Woodyard during Saturday's All-America Bowl. Both those guys are going to play in the All-America Bowl next January. And I like where Georgia stands with K.J. Bolden right now. He's been to campers several times. Already. And uh, uh, he's a guy that could play offense or defense on the next level. And I think he sees promising opportunity on both sides in Athens. Now, some other contenders are Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Tennessee, Florida State. LSU so he's got a lot of schools that he's still in communication with but I just find Georgia being an interesting spot for him right now and so I kind of like where the Bulldogs stand with KJ Bolden as his recruitment starts to pick up here in the spring
2: all right let's talk about Colin Simmons a top 25 edge out of Duncanville Texas he's coming off a state championship and holds about 40 offers so what's the latest on him Steve
1: Yeah, he's another young man that uh, has a Georgia visit in mind for this next coming weekend. So maybe Georgia will be celebrating a second straight national championship. And I remember after Georgia won the national title last year, they had a select group of recruits on campus for that celebration because that was a weekend that was more about the team enjoying that moment, celebrating uh, a a title with with the members of the team and staff and, and community. But they did want some recruits to soak it in. Um, and, and so I think maybe Colin Simmons is part of a group that's soaking in another title next weekend. My crystal ball is on LSU for Colin Simmons. I think that they've made some early impressions on him and gotten him to campus several times, and he loves Jamar Kane and LSU and the trajectory of that program, but this is nowhere near a done deal, and all the college football heavyweights are involved. The in-state programs, Texas and Texas A&M and TCU are all trying Uh, like hell to keep him in state and have all made an impression on him for various reasons but you got the Alabamas and Georgias uh, of the world in the thick of it too and this is a recruitment that's nowhere close to being settled Uh, but Georgia visit coming up early crystal ball to LSU but a lot of teams to monitor for Colin Simmons.
2: All right and another one from Buford, Edric Houston, a top five defensive lineman. He dropped his top 10 schools list in November and much like his Buford teammate, they include a who's who of college football. So where do you think he's headed?
1: Yeah, so some schools that I know he's definitely high on. Surprise, surprise, Grace, Georgia in the mix for the number one defensive lineman in the 24-7 sports composite. Uh, uh, He's extremely high on Georgia and what he's seen from them. Clemson, their program uh, that he also is extremely high on and and likes what he's seen from the Tigers and, and, and what they've been able to do historically as a program under Dabo Sweeney. And with defensive linemen, I know Michigan State, Mel Tucker, and that staff is one that he he's liked a lot. Uh, Alabama's a school that he mentioned, and it's also still early in his process. There's, there's several schools that he's high on, but the, the usual suspects in the mix.
2: All right. Good stuff as usual, Steve. Thanks for your time, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Remember to send in your mailbag questions by Thursday for our Friday episode. You can tweet them at 24 7 sports and remember we have a brand new show debuting today if you're listening on monday it's college football today it'll be broadcasted live on our youtube channel twice a week so on t- today that's airing at five o'clock eastern tomorrow tuesday that will be at one o'clock eastern it's college football today on the 24 7 sports youtube channel as for Wilt Fong, Whip Around, we will see you on friday have a good week